Um, we have over 200 volunteers for VBA at this point, but this is actually what we need. <clears throat> we need 30 more indoor monitors, 12 more bu bus volunteers, and five more safety team volunteers. And you got to be over 18 to be part of the safety team and all. But that's what we need uh, to fill out our, you know, our volunteers. So we have over 200, and uh, we're getting really close. It's only a couple weeks away. Uh, did y'all notice anything strange about the building this morning? Yeah, we're getting this new improved look, you know. I think there may end up being a forest over here and a cliff and who knows what up over there. But it's exciting to see all this because there'll be hundreds of children going through this building and the properties. They'll be out there and out in the front and out in the park over there and, and here all at the same time. Hundreds of kids everywhere and they'll come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, well, <clears throat> you know, the song we just listened to, it said, magnify no other name. And I want to challenge you as we're talking about attitude determines altitude. You know, a lot of people have a tendency to magnify the problem. You got this big magnifying glass and it gets bigger than life. But I want to challenge you to magnify the Lord because he can change the problem, can he not? He genuinely can. So let's magnify Almighty God together. And there's a, a, a fellow, friend of mine, who does a lot of work on small engines. And personally, and here at the church, we've got lawnmowers and weed whackers and quads. And, you know, if it's got an engine on it, he works on it. And it's a place called a dirt doctor here in town. And I was over there trying to pick up something and dropping something else off over there. And I'd been telling him things I've been preaching on. I'll go outside and I look at the back of his truck on the tailgate, and it says, attitude is everything. I'm going like, you know, I should have just taken the tailgate and brought it up here, you know. It was awesome because attitude is everything. And just give you a little reminder that attitude determines your altitude, your spiritual altitude, how close you get to God. Attitude determines your physical altitude, how healthy you will be. Attitude determines your financial altitude, how wealthy you will be. And attitude determines your relational altitude, how good the relationships in your life, husband and wife, parents and kids, neighbors, brothers and sisters will be. I'm telling you, attitude determines your altitude in so many ways. So I'd like to look here at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. It says, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. Hmm. See, our attitudes are influenced by our thoughts. Truth of it is, our thoughts shape our attitude. So what do you think about all day long? You know, what's going in here, you know? Because your thoughts shape your attitude, and your attitude determines your altitude. So we must guard our minds and be careful what we're thinking about all day long. That's just the way it is, you know? Um, it's a shame to say, but most people are negatively oriented when it comes to thoughts, 
You see something, you automatically, oh, that's, you have a negative thought about, well, you know, somebody's, oh, you're whispering, oh, you must be saying something bad about me, you know? There's that tendency. Now, that's what comes initially. <clears throat> Many people have learned to correct that. For the Bible says to cast those thoughts down, cast those thoughts down, and, and you bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we've learned to do that, but how many would testify that there aren't some times when you have some stinking thinking? It needs to be corrected. But those thoughts, I'm telling you, even though we didn't recognize it, those thoughts shape our attitude, and our attitude determines our altitude. With God, our health, our wealth, and our relationships. And I'm not making this stuff up. Doctors will validate that your attitude has everything to do with your health. That's just the way it is, you know. Listen to what it says here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. <clears throat> it says, how could they? For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Now, it's a good question. Does anybody here know what the Lord is thinking? Can we know what the Lord's thinking? Say that again. Y'all did a whole lot better than the guys last night. They didn't think you could. But he's given us this book of his thoughts. You know, and it tells us. It says his thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are higher than ours, but we can learn them. We can learn his thoughts. So it says here, who can know what the Lord is thinking? You can. <laughs> well, it goes on to say, it says now, who can give him counsel? I don't think we're qualified to tell God what to do, <laughs> but I do think we can ask him to help us in our situations, right? So it says, it goes on to say, but we can, but we can understand these things. We can understand the thoughts of God. And it goes on to say, for we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. If we have renewed our minds, we've changed our thinking, thinking, we've cast down the thoughts that we know we should not have, and we begin to think the way Christ thinks. Now, is it possible, let me see if you can help me out here. Let's say someone slaps you on one cheek. Wonder what the thoughts of Christ would be. Turn the other cheek, right? So we see that we can begin to think the way Christ thought. As he hung on the cross and he said, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, we can have the mind of Christ. We can be so positive because our thoughts shape our attitude. And our attitude determines our altitude spiritually, physically, financially, and relationally. That's just the truth of it. That, that, that happens. Okay. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, and now, dear friends, let me say one more thing. As I close this letter, fix your thoughts. Now, I know I like to tease a lot, and I say, hey, your thoughts are broken, so we've got to fix them. But that's not the fix this is really talking about. This word fix here means like, these nails and screws are fixed. You know, they are attached. I mean, it's fixed. It's secure. You know, not that anything was broken, but it, it's fixed. It's secure. You know, it has adhered to. 
And when he says here, he says, fix your thoughts. What does he say? Fix your thoughts. It's your responsibility. Your thoughts are your responsibility. You can't blame somebody else on, well, they made me think that way. No, they did not. It's your responsibility. You will make the choices on what you think about, and your thoughts shape your attitude, and your attitude determines your altitude spiritually, physically, financially, and relationally. That's just the way it is. So he says here, now, dear friends, let me say one more thing. As I close this letter, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts. Attach your thoughts to what's true. Let me ask you, is there a lot of stuff that's not true that we can fix our thoughts on? There's stuff everywhere. There's mass media, there's papers, there's all kinds of information that comes down the pike toward us that we could fix our thoughts on. Is it possible in this day and time to believe a lie? Absolutely. Just think about the political campaign. Don't think about it too long, okay? Very discouraging topic sometimes. But anyhow, he says here, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable. That, that's what we need to attach our thoughts to, the stuff that's true. Because I'm going to tell you, if you fix your thoughts to what's not true and unhonorable, that's going to shape your attitude, and it's not going to be a good attitude. So he said, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure. And the word pure means there's no mixture. There's no contaminants there. Now, in our, you know, surroundings around us everywhere, newspapers, books, magazines, TV, movies, Internet, is there stuff that's impure out there? And that will shape your attitude that will cause your altitude to lessen, to decrease. So he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. I mean, he's talking about the things admirable means positive and constructive, not negative and destructive. It's our choice. What are we going to think about today? Positive and constructive stuff? Or are we going to think about negative and destructive stuff? It is a choice. And the media will give you all the seeds of thought that you can handle. You're either going to cast them down and, and choose better ones. And I'm going to tell you, everything that's pure and godly and holy and wonderful and of good report, and it's all right here in this book. So once again, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent. And worthy of praise. Because those thoughts will shape your attitude. And your attitude does determine your altitude. And remember, attitude is everything. Genuinely is. Um, just as a stream of water will seek the path of least resistance. If I go and take my water, take the lid off and I open it and turn it sideways, is the water going to go east or west? North or south? 
Gravity is going to pull that rascal down. Just as a stream of water will seek the path of least resistance, the human spirit, unaided by God, will seek the path of negative emotion. That's just the way it does. We go the path of negative emotions. That's just our fallen nature to go that route, you know. So I want you to really work at examining your heart drive. You understand what that is? Isn't what you have in a computer, a heart drive? Is that right? I don't really understand all the computer language that well. Isn't there a heart drive in here? Oh, a hard drive. Same thing. Have you downloaded anything in here? Have you? We need to examine what we have downloaded in here because it affects the rest of you. If you have downloaded something on your hard drive or your heart drive, you can bring it back up. Is that right? And some of that stuff needs to just be deleted, does it not? So we need to examine our heart drive. And I ask you the question, what have you downloaded there? Is it negative? Is it destructive? Is it impure? Is it ugly? On and on and on. Or is it good? Because whatever your thoughts, what you've downloaded is going to affect your attitude that will affect dynamically your altitude. So, think about this for a moment. Your heart drive contains something maybe like this. You ever find yourself saying something like, it will never work. It's going to be a bad day. I don't have the strength. I'm just not good enough. Things never work out for me. Now ask yourself, you know, where did I get such thoughts from? Did God send those thoughts to us to think about? No way. Not at all. Well, what about thoughts like, I'm just no good? What about thoughts like, I'm a loser? What about thoughts like, I'm a failure? Now those thoughts will shape your attitude, which will determine your altitude. And you all know people who've struggled, and their altitude is about yay high. You know, because their attitude has been shaped by thoughts that should have been cast down. And, and we should have downloaded new stuff in there, into our heart drive, if you would. You know, what about thoughts like, I'll never amount to anything. Or things will never change for me. It's always for somebody else, you know. Or I can never, I can never change. We do need to delete those kinds of things, you know, that we've downloaded. Even from the time we were little, little people, we downloaded all kinds of negative thoughts. And they are shaping our attitude, which will determine our altitude. Now, Ralph Waldo Emerson, he said, poverty consists in feeling poor. I want to challenge you, do not allow your feelings to control you. Feelings are subject to change, are they not? Feel good one day, you feel bad the next day, you know? Feelings are subject to change. Don't allow that to control you. Remember, 
Charles Swindle said, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to it. Now, as a child, I personally struggled with a very low self-image, a self-esteem. I had a really low one. And I thought everybody thought the way I did. I genuinely did. And it was only as a uh, young teenager, probably around 16 years old, when I came to Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I began to read his book, I was totally blown away and shocked. It transformed me. When I began to see what my father, God, had to say about me, I no longer had a low self-esteem anymore. I recognized, like, I'm the child of Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, you know? It transformed me. My thinking changed, which shaped my attitude, which has determined my altitude. It will transform a man or a woman or a boy or a girl when we take this awesome, fantastic book and we get God's words downloaded into our heart drive, if you would. Jamie Buckingham, <clears throat> he's a minister of years gone by. He greatly influenced my life personally, as well as Susan's. Jamie Buckingham once visited a dam <clears throat> of the Columbia River, and he'd always thought that the boisterous water that was spilling over the top of the dam had provi was providing the power, not realizing that it was just froth and that deep within the dam, turbines and generators transformed the power of tons of water into electricity very quietly, you know, without notice, you know, and without all the flashy froth that was coming over the dam. And I'm going to tell you, God works within us. We don't have to let the stuff that's on the outside, external stuff, impact us. We don't. We can let the Holy Spirit, who abides within us, move within us, and, and God's Word, very quietly, without a lot of show, begin to work in us in a powerful, transforming, you know, way that He wants to do in our lives. That's, that's just the truth of it. Now, think about this statement for just a moment. Some folks are born losers. Now, I see some of you kind of making different funny faces and acting certain kinds of ways, you know. But upon hearing such a statement like that, the inner response of many people is, yeah, that's me, all right, born loser. But I see some people in here going like, no way, that ain't true, <laughs> you know coming from different angles, right? Coming from different perspectives. Think about that. What will that do to a person? You know, if you genuinely think that you were born a loser, what does that do to a person? How do we overcome our negative emotions? Well, I'm glad you asked that question.
So how do we overcome our negative emotions? We switch from a can't-do attitude, which is a loser attitude, to a can-do attitude, which is a winning attitude. you got to remember that success comes in cans. Failure comes in can'ts, okay? Now, hopefully, hopefully for the rest of your life, every time you open a can, you will be reminded that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what it says. I'm going to read it to you out of the New uh, International Version. It says in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do everything through him, Jesus, who gives me strength. I can. And we have to change our stinking thinking because our thinking shapes our attitude and our attitude determines our spiritual, physical, financial, relational altitude. So I can. Remember, if you're going to succeed, success comes in cans. It doesn't come in cannots. Theodore Roosevelt, he is somebody famous. I'm trying to remember what it was he did. Can y'all help me here? What else? What else? Was he a president? Oh, yeah. Oh, that too. Thank you. I'm just picking on you guys. It's easy to forget about the presidency thing. I can understand that. But he said, Theodore Roosevelt said, whenever you are asked if you can do a job, tell them, certainly I can, and then get busy and find out how to do it. That's, that's advice from a former president who had obstacles in his own life. And I had read about Hoover before he was in any political position or anybody knew him, and he had gone and he applied for a job in a court situation, a stenographer, you know, where you, it's this fancy kind of a typing machine there. Do you take every word that's being said or whatever? Anyhow, they asked him, they hired him, and they asked him, you know, can you come in tomorrow? He said, I can't come in until next Tuesday. So I said, okay, well, we really need somebody who can hand off this position. So he came in next Tuesday. And then someone finally said, how come you couldn't start work right away? How come it wasn't until a week later that you could come in and work for us? He said, I had to go learn how to use the machine. <laughs> See, he had the mentality that I can. When a lot of people's first reaction is that, I can't do that. I can't. Which I believe I can, especially with this one here. That's Popeye spinach there, man. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. David. You know David in the Bible? I really love David. David had a winning attitude. Remember when David was dealing with Goliath, the giant? David had just brought uh, some supplies to his brothers who were warriors. And they were on this mountain and rocks and forests there. And there was a big field between them and another little mountain over there. And all the Philistine army was over there. And every day Goliath would come out on the battlefield and he would shake his shield 
and his sword and threaten the armies of God? And you'd say, send a warrior down. We'll just have two men fight it out. And if I win, you will serve us. If you guys win, we'll serve you. And then he would go through this long ritual of profane, you know, horrible thoughts that he would verbalize and saying all kinds of wicked things about God. And David brought some supplies to his brothers. And when he was there, he was going like, guys, did y'all hear that man out there? Come on, who's going to do something about that? And all of the warriors, trained warriors, they were hiding behind the rocks and hiding in the trees. And David said, come on, where's my brothers at? They'll take care of them. They were hiding too. And then they began to scold David. Oh, you, you naughty boy, just come in here for the gore and see the blood and the guts and all. You can get home and take care of daddy's sheep. And David was kind of ticked off at that. He was like, he is profaning the name of our God. Somebody ought to do something about it. Well, then he had an audience with the king who was there in his battle array as well. And he said, somebody ought to do something about this. And then David began to rehearse for the king. He says, I take care of my daddy's sheep. And numerous times a bear has come in and grabbed one of my daddy's sheep, and I went after the bear, and I killed that rascal, barehanded. Barehanded, you got that? <laughs> and then he said, there's times when lions have come after him. And I've gone out there, and I've killed those lions and retrieved my daddy's sheep. And then he said to the king, and he says, this giant Goliath, this Philistine out there will be just like the bear and the lion because God enabled me. He had an awesome attitude because he had an awesome relationship with God. And sure enough, all he was wearing was just a, just kind of a little light, you know, garment there. He, he couldn't wear the armor. It didn't fit him. And he had a little rope tied around his waist there. He had a little shepherd's bag, a little leather pouch there. So he pulled out his, his cordage. It was a sling. And he stopped on the way over there to see Goliath, picked up. He didn't prepare for it. He picked up five smooth stones, put them in his thing there, put one in, in his little slingshot there. And he went over there and said, you come to me with your sword and your spear profaning the name of my God? Well, I come to you in his name. And surely you're going to be laying on the ground shortly here, you know, minus a head. And what happened? Did it happen? David slew Goliath. I'm going to tell you, his thoughts shaped his attitude, and his attitude determined his altitude. And he had awesome altitude with the Almighty God. And he succeeded because he knew that success comes in cans. All of them warriors, well, I can't do that. He's a, he's a trained warrior. He's nine and a half foot tall. His shield is, is bigger than me. I can't even lift the shield. I can't do that. But David said, I can. I am telling you, your thoughts shape your attitude, and your attitude determines your altitude. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Joshua and Caleb, you remember Joshua and Caleb? They had an awesome attitude, a winning attitude. And, and they were wandering around in the wilderness, you know, with the... Uh, all the, the Israelites, you know, as they come out of uh, Egypt and from being slaves for 400 years, they're all their people. And God had told them to go into the promised land and so forth and so on. So Joshua and Caleb and, and, and ten, 10 spies went in and checked out the land. And they came back, these 10 spies came back and said, it's exactly the way God said it was. 
It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Milk means there's a lot of birth going on. Honey means there's a lot of produce because it takes honeybees and nectar and pollen and, and flowers to make honey. So the place was prosperous. And they said, it's exactly like God said it was. The ten spots. But, and then they said, but I don't think we can take that land. And Joshua and Caleb jumped up, stood up on a rock there and said, hey, guys, listen, we are well able to take the land. Let's go in at once. God is with us. The scripture says that those ten spies said, we saw these men coming by us. They were like giants. They were literally like giants. And the ten spies says, and, and we felt like grasshoppers to them, and so we became grasshoppers. You have a grasshopper attitude? You have a grasshopper altitude? You know? Your thinking will shape your attitude that will determine your altitude. So you want a winning attitude or you want a losing attitude? Your thoughts will shape that. It's important for us to recognize this, you know. It really is. And attitudes are contagious. Have you ever noticed that? They genuinely are. There was a young boy. His father had drove him to church and dropped him off at Sunday school every week. One Sunday morning on the way to church, the boy asked his father, Dad, did you go to Sunday school when you were a boy? Yes, I did, son, the man answered. Well, says the boy, I bet it won't do me any good either. <laughs> the attitude is contagious. You hang around a person who lives with the, I can't, I can't, I can't. Before long, you'll be going, eh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You hang around people who they understand that success comes in cans. You'll be going, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Attitudes are contagious. So be careful what you look at, what you read, what you listen to, the people you hang around with. Now, you can hang around with I can'ts if you're teaching about the I can'ts, mind you. Okay. But you've got to be aware that it's contagious. It genuinely is. Here's an awesome passage. If all we did is read this passage this morning, it would have been worth you getting up and coming out for. I'm going to read to you out of the Message Bible. It says, Jesus, this is Mark 11:22. Jesus was, matter of fact, <clears throat> he said, embrace this God life. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. Embrace the God life. And nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. This is Jesus talking to us. No shuffling or shilly-shallying, and it's as good as done. Is there any mountains in your life that seem to be unsurmountable? They seem to be an obstacle that's blocking your path? Well, I think that Jesus said you could tell that mountain to go jump in the lake and it do it. So what he said, and I know some people, their thoughts, I don't, I don't think I can. I don't, and you, you really can't. The person who says I can't and the person who says I can, you're both right. The Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think you can't, you really can't. If you think you can, you really can because your thoughts shape your attitude that determines your altitude.
It's just the way it is. So let me read this again. Mark eleven twenty two. it says, Jesus was matter of fact. Embrace this God life. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly-shallying. And it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely, what's that word? Are you all not there? Okay, this is Mark 11, verse 22. What's that? That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely what? Everything, ranging from small to large, include, what's the next word? Everything, as you embrace this God life, and you'll be God's. You'll get God's. What's that word? Every, you'll get God's everything. Embrace the God life. So he's telling us, believe. And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then will your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins. And once your slate is wiped clean, your prayers are answered. If you don't receive forgiveness from God, it hinders your prayers a lot. And if you don't forgive somebody else, you're not forgiven. The Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive me for my sins or my trespasses or my debts as I forgive those who have... You're saying, Lord, forgive me the same way I forgave them. And if you're not forgiving them, that's a pretty bad, you know, situation there. Anyhow, Luke chapter 23, verse 33, it says, Finally they came to a place called the skull. All three were crucified, Jesus on the center cross, and two criminals on either side. And I'm going to tell you, in the midst of this, Jesus arose to the occasion. Verse 33, it says, Jesus said, Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they are doing. What a winning attitude. After all Jesus had gone through, what an attitude. Father, just forgive. they don't understand what's going on here. Forgive them. And that was right before Jesus gave up his spirit and he died, you know. So God, he gives us freedom, he genuinely does, to confess the negative uh, attitudes to him, but he does not give us the freedom to act those negative attitudes out. He does not bless you acting out those negative attitudes and, and, and emotions and all that, you know. You know, instead of crying over spilt milk, you've heard that term, oh, there's no, no sense crying over spilt milk. You know, you can't really do nothing about it. Well, let me tell you something. Instead of crying over spilt milk, go milk another cow. You can sit there all day long, I've spilt my milk. I ain't got no milk for my cereal this morning. You can sit there all day, a whole week if you want to. You're not going to get, go milk another cow. In our world, you go to the grocery store and buy another gallon. Don't let it stop you or stalemate you. Your thinking shapes your attitude, and your attitude determines your altitude. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Did Jesus ever have a bad attitude? Never, not once. Never he had a bad attitude. He dealt with truth. That's just the way it was. 
And you know, I know this is a, this is a common term, a common set of letters, but I want to encourage you on a daily basis to ask yourself the WWJD. You know what WWJD stands for, right? We want jelly donuts, right? No. What would Jesus do? And you ask yourself, well, what would Jesus, what would Jesus do? You know, I can have the mind of Christ. I can do what Jesus would do. I, Jesus would forgive them. They hurt him really bad. He would forgive them. Then you're in a position to speak to mountains and they'll be removed. So what would Jesus do? And I challenge you to ask yourself, well, what would Jesus do? And then do it regardless of the consequences. Oh, ah, oh, ah, ah, what's that pain? Oh, ah, it's giving birth to a new attitude. Because a new attitude means you got to change. And people are going to look at you differently. You know, there's something different about you. Yeah, I'm thinking differently now based upon this book. And giving birth to a child is a wonderful, fantastic, awesome thing. You look at all these kids around, but it's painful. And when we're giving birth to a new attitude, there's the birth pains with it. But it's so worth it, is it not? Absolutely. Well, you know, six weeks ago, uh, Susan, we had to replace the ball joints in our, our car, you know. And I can't even tell you, I wasn't too far back. There was something else we had to do before that. And then I think I told you guys three weeks ago, our, our, uh, the rear end, you know, it, it, it seized up, you know. And it was... <laughs> the differential just chewed those gears as chunks of metal in our rear end. Snap the drive shaft for the car. We, we you know, get about 200,000 miles on the car. We got one out of a junkyard. It only had 100,000 miles on it. Put it in. Replace the drive shaft. We're good to go. And now that same car is in the shop again getting the transmission rebuilt. There's a good opportunity there. What would you say? It's got 200,000 miles on it, Okay. The GMC. All right. I had a good opportunity to have a bad attitude. Have you ever had an opportunity to have bad attitudes? But you know, some it depends on how you look at the thing. I can go, well, you know what? Maybe that transmission being rebuilt may have kept me and my family from being in a terrible bad accident. You go, well, I never looked at it that way. Well, see, I would rather be positive about things. Because my favorite verse in the Bible, you know what it is, right? Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know, it don't say, well, we hope so. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God works it all together for good. Do you think that way? Because your thoughts shape your attitude that determines your altitude. Genuinely does. It's just the way it is. That's what it says in Psalms 23. It says, surely, surely chaos and evil and darkness will follow me all the days of my... Is that what it says? 
I mean, Murphy's Law has got a hold of me. If it can go wrong, it's going to go wrong. That's not what it says, is it? It says, surely, goodness and mercy. Who's that back here? Oh, it's goodness and mercy. The Bible says it. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe it to the core of my being that goodness and mercy is following me. They're like my bodyguards. It's going to work out for me because of that. Okay. Last verse we're going to look at this morning. Psalms 27, verse 13. Listen to what it says. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness. I am, what's that confident? Is that a positive word or a negative word? It's going to happen. I know it's very positive. I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness. Can you see things that are in your past, although they're not there anymore? Can you visualize things right now? Can you? Well, let me tell you something. I went fishing with Mike this week, and I caught an awesome bass. He did too. My bass was 3 pounds, 15 ounces, and if you blew on the scale, it was just about 4 pounds, so they're not quite. I can see that bass right now. It is awesome. Can you see anything if you wanted to right now? Can you visualize it? Where are you going on vacation? Birthday party? Family coming? Can you visualize those things? Can you see it? So you don't have to be seeing it in the natural, do you? He said here, yeah. I am confident that I will see. I've seen it before, and I'm going to see it. I can visualize this. The Lord's goodness. When I die and get to heaven, right? Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Is that your attitude? Or... Are you confident that if it can go wrong, it's going to happen to me before long? It's a beautiful day, but something bad's going to happen in it. Is that what you see? Are you confident that you will see the goodness and the mercy of the Lord here while you're in the land of the living? That's what he says. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Not cowardly and fearful. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently. You remember how Job did? You're in the book of Job. You know, and he lost everything in the, in the early part of the book. But Job had an awesome, fantastic, wonderful attitude that determined his altitude and the Bible said that Job ended up, you read it in, in the last part of the book of Job, he ended up with twice as much as he had to start with because he had the right attitude. He genuinely did. So it says, wait patiently for the Lord. Don't get impatient. And, and you got to understand, waiting patiently can't be doing like this. Okay, I'm going to wait patiently. That ain't patience. Patience is to praise and to rejoice while you wait. If you're complaining, nah, 
Don't count. While you're waiting on God to move, you've got to begin to rejoice and praise him. You've got to have a song. You've got to sing. You, you gotta, I'm confident. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. He said, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's what he said. So I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord with rejoicing. That's important. I want you to bow your heads with me if you would here. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for giving us your word. Forgive us for not taking it to heart. Forgive us for not reading it or listening to it more. Because you said in your word that faith comes by hearing your word. And as we hear it, our faith, we do know it will increase. And you will work everything together for good. And we will be able to speak to mountains of difficulty and they'll be cast away. Father, we believe everything that you have told us. Forgive us for not taking it to heart. But we choose this day to take your word to heart to change our thinking, which will shape our attitude, which will determine our altitude with you. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you if you would uh, reaffirm your faith in Jesus here this morning, declare what you know is already true, and maybe you're here this morning and you've never welcomed Jesus in your life. You didn't even know you could. But you can, and he'll come in, and he'll forgive you, and he'll be your closest companion. He'll be your closest friend. He'll help you every step of the way. He'll forgive your sins, and he'll write your name in the book of life. So I'd like us all, if we could, just to pray again together this morning. Reaffirming faith, some declaring their faith for the first time. Would you join me now as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide the door. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my soon coming King. I am sorry. For my sinful ways. I am sorry for bad attitudes. I want to have the mind of Christ. Therefore, I determine, I determine to pursue Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Before we go, on your uh, weekly challenge here, I just jotted down and it just simply says, I am determined to maintain a good, healthy attitude because it determines my altitude. I will therefore ask myself, what would Jesus do and then do it? If that's you, for this coming week, put a check on there, drop it in the tithe box on your way out. And uh, if you need some prayer this morning, the altar will be open. 
And uh, as you would come, if you need some prayer, you're going to come. I would challenge you to come expecting God to answer those prayers. Because your thinking shapes your attitude and determines your altitude. And then if you prayed with me and you welcome Christ into your life this morning, if you'd stop at our connections desk back there and pick up a little gift bag. It's got a Bible and some other little goodies that I believe would inspire you. And then uh, if you're a guest, let them know I'm a guest. We've got a little gift we'd like to give you. One of our ways of saying thanks for coming. We hope you come back. And if you're not signed up yet, we need about 47 more volunteers to make VBA work. So if you haven't signed up yet, and I know Faith Living Church, we have a tendency to procrastinate sometimes. But if you go ahead and sign up so we'll know we got these positions filled, we'd appreciate it. And if you want to help James out and all on the, uh, the bus blitz in a couple of weeks, let him know that ahead of time. And then would you greet one another on the way out? And don't forget about your cans, okay? God bless you. You are dismissed.